are some here, Lord God, that if they do not hear from you, they don't know what tomorrow holds. They don't know what they're going to do. See, Lord, for some, this is just one more cute little event, but there are some here, Lord God, that they need to hear from you tonight. Lord God, that they're wondering, are you real tonight? Does God have anything to say to me? Word from the Lord for you tonight, I want to talk to you about divine condescension. I want to talk to you about what it looks like when love soups love. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And the desire is that no one should perish. Redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? You see, to be redeemed, you have to be lost. You can only redeem things that you disbelieve or condemn so what does it mean to, to believe? See, the problem is we think, oh yeah, but I believe in God. That's not enough. Yeah, well, I believe that Jesus is real. That's not enough. And you're going to see that Jesus is crowned with many crowns and he wears many diadems and his eyes are a flame of fire. And the reality is that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you're sitting here, whether you're out there, whether you believe in God, whether you call yourself a Buddhist, a Hindu, an atheist, is irrelevant. Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, 
We come right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord God, to enter into your presence, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, O God, to see you for who you are, O God. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to come and worship tonight, that we are able to come and enter into your presence, that we are able to come and give glory to the one, the only, the true and the living God. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Brothers, sisters, friends, welcome to this May the 11th, this uh, Mother's Day weekend edition of Church Without Walls. Let's worship our king.
one. Let's continue to worship brothers, sisters, and friends Love this next song. Radio. Last word.
God, you are victorious. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you, Father. Oh, we love you. We love you. We worship. Brothers, sisters, friends, let's continue to worship for just a couple more songs, and then we're going to be going to the word of the Lord tonight. Um, we're going to be anchored most of that not, uh, of tonight in Matthew 22. So if you want to get your Bibles ready, go ahead and do that. This next song is simply called Raised to Life. Precious compassion that pours from the wounds that have won our salvation. Sin was so strong, but the Savior is stronger. Come, let us worship Him. Come, let us worship Him. Glory, 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 glory.
Come on, declare it. Sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. Our shame was great, but Jesus, you're greater. Come on, come on, worship. Jesus is stronger. Our shame was greater. Jesus, you're
Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. We have definitely one more song of worship we want to go to. But before we go there, I want to take a moment to talk to the moms that are out there. To honor them. In the second chapter of Luke, we read this expression twice. That Mary kept all these things. The, the prophecy of the suffering her son would endure. And then later, as wise men came to visit and incredible things were told her about her son, it says and that she kept all these things. His mother kept all these sayings, all these teachings in her heart. As we reflect on Mother's Day, reflect on all the moms that are out there, I want to take a moment to acknowledge both the physical moms that are out there and those of you who are now, as my wife was for many years, um, without children physically and yet a mom to many spiritually. So to the spiritual moms out there, to those who have been spiritual mom to young mothers, to young women, to young men, to people in the church in need who find themselves feeling abandoned and parentless, and to all the, the, the physical moms out there, the biological moms, and all those who have been both, especially the, the real moms, the moms who are moms both biologically and spiritually, who sacrifice so much and ponder so many things those to whom the Lord reveals so many things about the children you steward over and you have to just ponder these things in your heart and you go through difficult times and you have to ponder these things in your heart. I want you to know that we as a ministry here at Cole Kata Christ Ministries, we acknowledge you. We honor you. We pause for a moment and I'm leery to name names because there's so many of you out there. But I'd be remiss to not name the mother of my three boys. A woman without whose persistent faith I may not have tried one more time. And I may not have this incredible blessing of children. The Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And I may have missed it. And so I have to acknowledge, at the very least, my wife, Claudia Torres, and the sacrifices and the pain that it took for her to become a biological mother and the incredible help that it's, she's been to me over the years, being a spiritual mother to so many youth and young people who God has called us to steward over. I need to acknowledge um, my own mom who raised five children as a single mom at a time where being a single mom was not necessarily acceptable. And so I acknowledge my mom, Emma Faria, who may be listening tonight, and my boy's grandma. I acknowledge also my boy's nana, um, a woman who is not a biological mother, yet stepped up stepped up at a time that we so desperately needed it. 
to be a grandmother, to be a nana, and those of you who are not American may not have a context for what that word means, but it's a very special, endearing term. And so I want to acknowledge tonight also Carmen Galvin. And then, like I said, there's such a host of others that I'm remiss to start naming names because I'll miss someone. But to all the moms out there, we appreciate you. We love you. And I'd like to pray for you. Father, we pray tonight for all the moms, biological, spiritual, both, who are out there, who, like Mary, see the sufferings of their children and have learned that at times they can't intervene, who have gone years at times without speaking to their children for one situation or another, who have given of themselves, who have poured out of themselves, who continue to pour out. Father, for moms, single moms and married moms who are trying to navigate the murky waters of raising children in what we seem to insist is a post-modern, post-Christian society, and they're trying to raise up men and women of God, men of valor and, and women of virtue, and everything in society is against them. Father, we pray that you would strengthen the hands that hang down, that you would bless them, that you would pour out of your Holy Spirit over them, that you would guide them, that you would comfort them, that you would provide for them, Lord, and that you would remind them that in all things you see them. Let them never miss that, Lord. You see them. And that's awesome. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for them. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go to one more song of worship. Mighty Warrior. I love this song. And then we're going to the Word of God. We're going to be in the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Get your Bibles ready. Get your hearts ready. Let's worship. And then let's go to the word.
sisters, I'm continuing in this series that we've been doing on the parables of the Christ. And I find myself confronted with a situation where we're going to have a series within a series. The parable I want to discuss tonight, the more I've read it, the more I've studied it, the more I've looked into it, the more I've prayed about it, the more that the Spirit continues to reveal to me that there is more here than we can deal with in one night. And as I prayed, God had a very, very specific word for those who are listening tonight. And so, again, we're going to go to the 22nd chapter of Matthew. There we see a very familiar parable, a parable that's actually told by Jesus in different ways at different times. Many simply call it the parable of the wedding feast. 
And so I want to focus tonight predominantly on the first five verses, though I'll, I'll, I'll encapsulate the entire parable for you. There's a king, and he's giving a feast for his son, literally a wedding feast. And the time has come. The wedding is about to begin. You've got to understand that things were done differently in the time that Jesus is speaking than what they are today. Today, we pick a particular date and put it on our calendar. Back then, there were preparations that needed to be made. And so once a proposal was made, somewhere within that year, the bridegroom would return for his bride. In this case, the bridegroom being a king, well, the son of a king, the king has decided that he will take responsibility for the wedding feast. Normally, the bride's family would. And when the bridegroom was approaching, the whole idea of having a best man was the best man was a forerunner and he went on ahead, perhaps a day or two's journey ahead of the bridegroom so that he could announce to the people and to the bride's family, the bridegroom cometh. And they would make all the preparation and everyone be notified. So everyone knew the wedding could happen any time. And then once the time came, People had a day or so to get ready, but this is different. There's a king getting married. Well, a king's son getting married. And so the burden of any kind of preparation is removed from anyone except the king himself. And so the bridegroom has made everything ready for his bride. The king would send emissaries to bring the bridal party, the bride, her family, her bridesmaids, etc., and bring them. And then once they were there, or they had almost arrived at the castle, he would send out his, his servants, his slaves, to notify the invited guest the time has come. And you didn't have to worry about anything. This is a king. The clothes for every single guest were taken care of. No Gifts were needed, except your attendance there. The food was made ready. And so the king had made all the preparations. He sends out his slaves to invite the guests, but the guests ignore it. And he sent them out again. In fact, in verse 4, we read again. He sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold. I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. Brothers and sisters, I want to talk to you tonight about the invitation. My message tonight, the invitation. Spirit of the living God, animate my words tonight. Father, this is a message of critical importance to every believer, for every single one of us, is 
paradoxically both an invited guest to the wedding feast and a slave sent out to invite other guests. And we need wisdom. We need your spirit. We need a rebirth. We need new depth of understanding, Father. We need clarity. We need the revelation, Lord God, that you can give so that, Lord, we will not be among that company that are called but not chosen, who are called into the things of God, called into the family of God. Join a church, get some religion but miss this final invitation. Father, tonight, I pray every ear would be opened, every heart would be fertile ground, every heart would receive, every soul would be enlivened by the word you've given me tonight and that this word would go forth onto multitudes, Lord, not so that people would know Kolkata Christ Ministries. Not so that anyone would know my name. I won't even mention it. Oh God. But that Lord. So that your kingdom. Would be full. So that your glory. Would be made known on the earth. Oh God. Once again. That many. Many. Many should come. Oh God. And that your banquet hall should be full. And that Lord. When that great getting up morning gets here. Lord. We should all be found ready. We should all be found there together. Oh God. That your name would be glorious in the earth. And that the lamb should receive the full reward of his sacrifice. Oh God. We pray tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, brothers, sisters, as we read, there's this sending out, the feast has come. And I really want to focus on verse 5 more than anything. The servants had gone out and people didn't come and they went out again. And that phrase just so shocked me. They made light of it. Amelio. It means to make one careless. To bring one to a position of not caring. To be careless, unconcerned, or unmoved. And I said, my God, how is it that they didn't care they were being invited? And, and, and then I saw something. The word, though, Emilio, means to make one careless. And it's not really clear whether they made themselves clearless. Or somehow the invitation made them careless. Somehow they did not realize the weight, the glory, the honor, the dignity, the valor, the purpose of this invitation. And so the Lord showed me 
there are three things, brothers and sisters, with which we must concern ourselves. Number one, both in our own hearts and to ourselves, and as we go out into the world as his ambassadors, we must make clear the invitation. Secondly, we must make, again, both to ourselves and to those abroad, we must make eminent the timing. And finally, we must make glorious the inviter and the guest of honor. Number one, let us unto our own hearts and to those for whom we serve as ambassadors of Christ, make clear the invitation, it is a feast. So often people don't want to come to Christ. They don't want to get involved in this because they see it as an invitation to religion. They see it as an invitation to rules and regulations. They see it as an invitation to oppression, to giving things up, to changing their lives, to living under some sort of yoke of bondage. They see it wrong. They do not understand that they're being invited to a feast. It's a celebration. The first thing we need to know about the feast is that it's super abundant, wonderful, awesome. And it's a celebration. Oh, listen, I'm not denying. Jesus himself promised in this life you will have tribulation. But he didn't stop there. He added, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, my brother and sister, we live in an age where so many, especially in the hyper grace and prosperity crowd, tend to abuse the message of grace and turn it into something else. And so our response is to kick against that and ignore the celebration. But it is a celebration. The life in Christ is a super abundant life. It is a supernatural life. And I see too many in our day and age as a response to those who have abused that celebration and its message, kicking back and insisting that this is not a supernatural kingdom, that we are not to be involved in deliverance, that we are not to manifest the gifts, that the gifts are gone and the celebration is over and we're supposed to suffer through a few more weary days and we're to be sad and depressed and broke and disgusted. But I'm here to tell you right now, it's a celebration. God is calling you into something great. He's not calling you to give this thing up or that thing up. He's calling you to run into his arms. Let me tell you something. It may look like coming to Christ involves you taking off a whole lot of things. But I'm here to tell you, that's only because you're on the wrong side of the fence. You jump that fence and come over to the glory side and you'll see there's nothing to give up. You'll give those things up, but not because you gave them up. They gave you up. Your life changes. Your heart changes. But it's not dull and boring. It's life super abundant. It's full of joy and glory. It's wonderful. 
wonderful to live for Christ. It's glorious to know that I can't die till he's done with me. And that even when I die, it's bam, wait to, to sleep on this side and wake up on that side of eternity. It's amazing to know that I can walk the streets of glory on this side of eternity and bring that glory here. It's amazing to know that we have the answer to depression, to schizophrenia, to bondage, to addiction, to suffering, to heartache, to pain, to brokenness, to broken homes and broken families, to the attack on manhood, to the attack on womanhood, to those who are confused about their gender or about their identity or about their purpose. We have the answer. It's amazing to live on this side. It's a feast and it's super abundant and my daddy, the king, the glorious one who invites us to the feast, oh, he knows how to take care of us. Oh, that's why I can say like Paul, be of good cheer. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. He may not provide your every want. He may not listen and bend his will to your every whim, but he will supply all your need. Oh, like David, I can say, I have been young. I may not be that old, but I'm not that young anymore. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging bread. It's a feast. It's good. It's glorious. There's healing at the feast. There's deliverance at the feast. There's hope at the feast. There's joy in the feast. There's life at the feast. There's everything you can need. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a feast and it's glorious. But the second thing about the feast is that it is an obligation. It's an obligation. See, the king sent out his emissaries. There's really not an option of no when the king bids you into his presence. See, this may be a feast, and it's glorious and wonderful, but it's a feast similar to the Passover feast. See, if you've ever celebrated Passover, there's some wonderful things on that plate. There's some eggs, there's some lamb, some good vegetables on there. Oh, it tastes great. But there's also some bitter herbs. And you see, the problem is so many who understand that it's a feast and they know about the glorious things. When trouble comes, when tribulation comes, they have no root in them and their faith dries up and they walk away. And they become careless. And they begin to care less about the invitation. Why? Because they heard that first part, it's a feast and it's super abundant and there are all these good things, but they don't understand there's also bitter herbs on the plate and that's part of the feast too. Listen, this is not a feast like you went with your friend to McDonald's and there's, you know, a burger and some fries and a little drink. This is at least a 12-course meal. And there may be a course or two you don't like. I mean, if you've ever had a meal like that, ever been invited to a place where they have a meal like that, one of the weirdest things that happens is there's a lot of eating before the main event comes. And some of the hors d'oeuvres that they put out, some of the appetizers they put out are amazing and some uh, you might not like. 
And there's even a portion at which they bring out a, a, a sorbet, some, some fruit, frozen, you know, fruit paste. Usually a lemon or lime or something like that, an orange sorbet. And the purpose of it is to cleanse the palate. And every now and again, we need to go through things in the kingdom that are about cleansing us. And every now and again in the kingdom, we need to take a break. You see, if you eat a course, a 12-course meal, and you try to eat it all in one sitting and eat it too quickly, you're going to get sick. You're going to get indigestion. And so there are breaks in between where there's fellowship and there's talking. And so every now and again, there's a break in the flow of the feast. Brother and sister, that's part of the feast. Don't get bored. Don't lose sight. Don't lose hope. Hold on. The next course is coming. Oh, but Pastor Pete, you don't understand. It seems like God is feeding me these bitter herbs. Eat them. Don't worry. There's a reason they're on the plate. Something good is coming next. Hold on. It's still a feast. And there are 12 courses. If there's one or two you don't like, that's all right. Hang on, baby. There's ten more. And it just gets better. The third thing you need to know about the feast is that it's relational. This is a wedding feast. And I'm sure anyone out there who's been married can testify. It's interesting. I don't know if you did this. I did. We had an open-door wedding. That means there were the invited guests, but the church was open. Anybody who wants to come, people come off the street. It doesn't matter. Come. I'm marrying. Listen, to me, it was one of the greatest days of my life. God had given me such a great gift. I've been praying for this woman three and a half years before I even met her. And finally, my heart has found that one for whom it longed. I had found the one who is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The one who would complete me on this journey in Christ. I found my helpmate. It was awesome. I wanted everyone to come. But the reception, nah, no. There were friends and family invited. And the wedding feast is relational. Brother and sister, God is not calling you in to become some servant. See, people avoid the invitation because they think it's, a, it, it, it's, it's, it's an invitation to slavery. It's, it's an invitation to belittling and, and, and self-humiliation and servitude. Listen, I count, I count myself blessed to be a bond slave of Christ. But I am his son. I am my daddy's son. There's a relationship. And if all you see is the work, and all you see is the preparation for the feast, you'll miss out on the most important part. You see, it's about relationship. And you've got to keep that in mind among the people who are there <clears throat> and with the one who invited you. Relationships are being built. Two families are becoming coming one. The Bible talks about the one new man in Christ, the Jew and Gentile coming together as one new man. There's a merging of cultures and peoples and languages. That's why I can't stand it when churches isolate themselves 
It's a black church and white people feel unwelcome in a white church and black people feel unwelcome in a Spanish church and then you, the Asians feel unwelcome or it's an Indian church and I've, everyone, it's, we're going to be family forever. That's why I don't care. Whether you come from East Africa, West Africa, North Africa, South Africa, I don't care whether you're from East Asia, Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia the Pacific Islands, South Asia, it doesn't matter to me. Europe, Caribbean, we're family. We are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. And the invitation is a celebration. It's an obligation, but it's about a relationship. And I love my people. We are one in him. That's why the, one of the last prayers Jesus ever prayed before going to Calvary. Father, I pray that you would make them one just as I am in you and you in me. They in me, one. Oh, that we could be one with Christ and one with one another. That's why he said, by this they will know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. It's an invitation to a love feast. And it's amazing. Point number two, we need to make eminent the timing. You see, the feast was already ready. The fattened oxen, the calves, whatever, they'd been slaughtered. The meals had been prepared. This food isn't going to stay good forever. We can't keep it under the rotisserie forever. It's going to dry out. You've got to come now. I know the king is saying that the, the, the feast, you know, in their time didn't have an exact date. We didn't put an exact date in a postcard. But you knew it was coming. And I sent out warnings. And now the time is here. And when we talk to people, and when we engage our own hearts in our relationship with Christ, we've got to make our calling and election sure and be sure that we understand that today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as they did out in the wilderness. There is a time where grace and mercy will run out. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of reckoning. Tomorrow is promised to no man. And we say that and we think of the elderly, but I have spoken with morticians who can certify that the person listening to my voice who is over 40 years old has a greater chance of making it to 70 than the 20 year old has of making it to 35 my brother my sister tomorrow's not promised you because you're young it's not promised because you're old it's not promised because you're middle age it's not promised because you're white or black it's not promised because you're a man or a woman tomorrow is promised to no man no woman no person no child they could end tonight this could be the last time you hear the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ don't harden your heart make your calling and election sure engage the invitation come to the feast bow your knee pray to your Lord read your Bible the feast is now and the bride has made herself ready it's a feast and its timing is eminent but you see the final point We've got to make unto our own hearts and to the hearts of those to whom we witness about our Christ the glory 
of the inviter. Think about this. How many times in your life have you foregone an invitation? Someone invited you to dinner. Someone invited you out. Somebody invited you thither or yard. And you chose not to go and found out later so-and-so showed up. That person you've been needing to talk to. That businessman you needed to make a connection with. That politician you were hoping to talk to. That leader, that pastor, that prophet, that person, that man, that woman, that child, that parent, that somebody. Have you ever been invited somewhere and not gone and later found out who was on the guest list and said, Oh, if I had known they were going to be there, I would have shown up. Have you ever done that? You see, I think these people made light of the invitation because they, were for, they forgot the glory of the great king who was inviting them. I've done this before. I haven't done it in a while, but my brother, my sister, I want you to see the one who extends such an extraordinary invitation. Oh, by the grace of God, if I may open your eyes to the Christ, Jesus, who stands in the solitude of himself. He is the Son of God, the God-man of the hypostatic union. That's just a fancy way of saying he's 100% God and 100% man. He can be touched with our infirmities. He can be touched with the travails of our temptations. He knows what it's like. He put on flesh. He was tempted in every way as we are. Yet he is God. He was without sin. He got through it perfectly. He can show us the way. He is. Oh, brother, sister, follow me for a moment. Walk with me from Genesis to Revelation. See the glorious Christ, not just in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But from Genesis to Revelation, we see him over and over and over. He is the word of God that spoke creation into existence and the light that illuminates the universe. See him there, the tree of life in the garden that Adam and Eve overlooked, but what was reserved then under the flaming swords of cherubim to such a great time as this. He is the ark that saved the remnant from the worldwide flood, the covenant maker and keeper who bid a man leave his home country and follow me to a place you've never been. Jesus is the promise that Abraham sought in the wilderness and the city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He is the realization of Joseph's dream, provisioned through drought and famine. He is the fire that burns but does not consume, that transforms a common sight into a spectacular sanctuary. Oh, my brother, my sister, have you seen him? Have you known him? Are you in relationship with him? He is the rock that Moses struck in the wilderness that gushed out water to refresh and sustain the people of God in the wilderness. And he can still sustain you and I when we pass through our own personal personal deserts and valleys. 
He is the tabernacle in the wilderness. The oil that sanctified the priesthood. The fire that fell upon the altar from heaven. He is the captain of the Lord's host that blew down Jericho's walls. The light of Gideon's lamp. Shamgar's ox goad. Jael's tent peg. Deborah's song and the strength of Solomon. He is the stone in the river rejected by warriors but mighty in the hand of a shepherd boy to fell the giant. The wisdom of Solomon, the courage of Esther, the provision of Ezra, the Lord high and lifted up, seated upon his throne in glory. He is the fire shut up in Jeremiah's bones, the wheel within the wheel, the vision of the prophets, the hope of the exiles, the promise of the restoration, the fourth man in the flaming furnace and the one who shut the mouths of the lion. He is the firstborn of many brethren, the ever existent son given and the child born of a virgin. He is the word that created worlds, then took on flesh to redeem a lost humanity. He is the I am that I am, who is today, was yesterday, and will always be God. He is the supreme superlative of everything good which you could choose to call him. He is incomprehensible. He is immeasurable, unfathomable, and indescribable. But by his grace, if you would allow me just to touch the hem of his glory. Who is this Jesus, this Christ, this son of the living God? He is the author of all authority and the apex of achievement, the breaker of bondages, shatterer of shackles, the centerpiece of civilizations, and the commander of the conquerors. He is the demolisher of demons and the designer of destinies. He is the excellent example of effectual fervent faith. He is the fortifier of the faithful, the gateway of glory, the highway of holiness, and the healer of the hopeless. He is the illumination of the illustrious and the intensity of the industrious. He is the juggernaut of justice, king of kings, light of all life, melody at midnight, overseer of the overcomers, preeminent potentate and propitiation for the poor. He is the quintessential quality of the qualified, the river of righteousness, the sinner's savior, triumph in trials, unsurpassable, unimaginable grace that redeems the ungodly, the valor of the victorious, the wellspring of wisdom, and the zenith of all spiritual zeal. He is the first and he is the last. He is the alpha and the Omega, the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent provider, counselor, Lord, master, and king. He is my source, my strength, my comfort, my protection, my hope, the lover of my soul, the Lord of my life, the fulfillment of every promise God has ever made. He is God. And if you could see the glory of the resurrected Christ, if you could see the glory of the one who stripped off his glory to die for your sin and mine, how could you ever reject the invitation to sit down in his honor?
as both his beloved and his invited guest. How could we make light of an invitation sent from one so great? There is no king. There is no prime minister, no president, no potentate who can touch one one thousandth of the glory of this Christ. Yet if one of them invited you to dinner, you'd show up. Show up for him tonight. He's knocking at the door of your heart and my heart. And the invitation comes in different forms. Listen, for some of you, you've accepted the invitation to be a Christian, but God's inviting you to something else now. It's a new course in the course of the feast and you're pulling back. No, 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 no. Listen, I don't, I don't care what he calls you to. If he calls you to walk through hell, walk like you own the place. He already purchased it. If he calls you to walk through the valley, Shine the light in the darkness. If he calls you to the mountaintop, don't be like Peter and try to build a permanent residence there. Just bask in the glory. Hear the word of the Lord and prepare to go into the valley because others need to come to that mountaintop. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight, but somebody listening tonight, he's calling you. And you're resisting. As best I can tonight, I have made clear the invitation to you. As best I can tonight, I have tried to impose upon you how imminent and necessary and immediate the invitation is. You must respond now. And I have done my limited best for truly what human being could clarify the glory of the Son of the living God. But I've tried to open your heart to the glory of that one who's inviting you. Now the only thing left is to extend an invitation or two. The first invitation is to anyone listening to the sound of my voice who has not bent their knee to Christ and surrendered their will to him and recognized his lordship over their life. Let me say that again. This is not an invitation to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He already is. I don't care if you're a Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're an atheist. He's the Lord of your life. And you will bend your knee willingly on this side of eternity or you'll be capped at the knees with an rod of iron that will shatter your knee to dust and you'll never stand again and you'll spend eternity wishing you had answered this call. He is the Lord of your life. I'm extending an invitation to recognize that now. But I'm also extending an invitation to a second group. I'm extending an invitation to a people who know the Lord, but he's calling you into deeper service and deeper relationship and you've been resisting. Would you answer the call tonight?
Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, but come. If you're answering either one of those calls, I want you to lift your hand and begin to pray. Begin to pray a prayer of submission. I'm not going to give you the words. This is too personal a moment. Although if you're coming to Christ for the first time, I'll give you the basic outline. You need to admit your sinfulness. That simply means the error of your ways in not having accepted the invitation previously, but trying to live for yourself. You need to acknowledge that. You need to acknowledge him for everything he is. The son of God. The Lord of your life. Your savior and your redeemer. And you need to invite him to come and take the reins of your life. You go ahead and do that. Those of you who already know the Lord and have done that, then I don't need to give you words, but you begin to pray, even now, and ask the Lord to forgive your delay, but make a commitment that you will follow Him. You go ahead and do that while I sing this song, a classic. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back though none go with me still I will follow though none go Still I will follow, though none go with me, still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back, no turn, no turning back 
Father, thank you that you have heard the prayers of these who are crying out to you. Thank you, Lord, that the family is being extended and the banquet hall is being made full. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to gather tonight. We love you, praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers, sisters, friends, I want to first and foremost thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I have no formal announcements except to let you know um, there's a possibility Memorial Day weekend. um, I think that would put us at the 25th. I will be canceling service, but I'll let you know next week. We're two weeks away. Um, Just need some time off and have some things I'm trying to get done and I I may be taking that weekend off. I'll let you know. Um, Other than that, please. If you know Kolkata Christ Ministry, you know we don't go after your money. We really don't. Not that we have no needs. We just believe that God will supply all our needs. But he generally does it through his people. The Bible says that if we have sown spiritual seed into your life, we have a right to reap a financial harvest. So if you would like to support this ministry, there are three ways you could do that. I'm going to put all three up in the chat room. Number one, you could use our website. Our website is kqcministries.org. You could click on the Donate Now tab and that'll get you there. You could also use PayPal, Pop Money, Quick Pay, Crystal, any of those. Simply use our email address, kqcministries at gmail.com. If you want to do it the traditional way, sending a check or money order, you can send it to KQC Ministries, care of Pete Torres, 97 Jefferson Street, Highland Mills, New York, 10930. Also, I want to remind you, If you need prayer, if you need to contact us, if you have questions or need counsel, you can text us. Texting is better than calling. All right. Um, Text us at 845-553-0883. I'm not going to open the call-in line. I want to give you all the time to reflect on what you've heard tonight. I also want to once again bless our moms. I I did see the prayer request up there, and I want to take a moment to pray for Sister Daphne. Father God, I I know I went through strep throat not too long ago. It's horrible. Please, Lord, bless her, heal her, strengthen her. You've already, Lord, taking care of her infirmity at Calvary. Give her the manifestation of your provision. And by Christ's stripes, tonight let her be completely and totally healed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Well, brothers, sisters, Friends, thank you so much 
for your love, for your prayers, for your support of this ministry and for joining us here live tonight. Um, we're going to go out. I'm not going to play the entire thing, but I'll play a snippet of something. It's not a song. It's a sermon jam. We'll leave listening to this, and as it fades out, go in the peace and grace of God. Know that you are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. And by the authority of the word of the living God, I declare you to be blessed going out and coming in. Blessed in the city, in the field, everywhere you go. You are world overcomers. So go and overcome the world. Amen. God bless you and have an awesome night. And once again, to all our moms, happy Mother's Day. We love you. Christ loves you even more. God bless you. We have a desperate need for watchmen. And that's why my message, my question tonight, where are the watchmen? Good night and God bless.